Well, you can talk about films with a philosopher's zeal, or measure them all by box office appeal. But for once in your life, be real. Ladies and gentlemen, be re- we're here. We're be real guys. That's that's the beginning. How are you? I'm. We're great. Uh, I'm great. I think you sound like you're pretty great. I'm fine. I'm Chance Solenpfeiffer, and you're Noah Ballard. I am. That's me, and you, you are Chance. I can confirm that. Um, we're two guys. Um, we're talking about movies. We take them. When you introduce us that way, it sounds like we're going to do, like, a Spike TV show, though, you know? Wait, what does? We're, we're just, just two guys, guys? and we're here to talk guy stuff, and that's not super the vibe <laughs> that I want to say. Well, I didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't imply that we're like just talking guy stuff. I, I was. You cut me off like mid pitch. <laughs> I cut you off right after we're two guys. Sorry. Right. Which okay. I guess is empirically true. Let me let me start again. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Be Real Guys. We're two young men who. <laughs> That's so pervy. Between the two of what? (laughs) I love it. Keep going, ladies and gentlemen. We're two post grads who have really like really missed the idea of what college was like, and so we we're hanging on with two fists to our friendship through this podcast we've decided to do, where we take three movies of a similar category. And give them, like, a second appraisal about whether or not they're inherently watchable. Is that a fair pitch, Sam, uh, Chance? I called you Sam. You called me Sam? <laughs> that was great. It was fine. Um, should we... And I was just thinking about this. We should probably... I'll make a little rubric of the system and, like, you know, post it wherever the podcast is posted. But let's uh, let's give oh, the... That's a great idea. Like a little Punnett square. Very nice. Exactly like that. But let's... Uh, Let's talk it out real quick. So, there's four categories that four we categories. rate movies based on. Yeah. Good, good. And chance, yeah, chance. There's good, good. Yep. And chance. What would be like an example of a good, good movie? I would say that. Uh, well, we called Mad Max recently a good, good movie. We called Ex Machina a good, good movie. Something that's very well made technically and is highly yeah, watchable. Yeah, yeah. But if, and if you're thinking back from your childhood, you know. Uh, like the Mighty Ducks would be a good, good movie. Mm. Jk, and Jk. An example of a good, bad movie. Good. The first, the first um, qualifier is refers to quality, and the second one is watchability. So good, bad is like something that's well made, but you never really want to pop it on. And Noah's quintessential example of this is Requiem for a Dream, or like Schindler's List, or something like that. Yeah, like that's good, but I don't ever want. I don't want to watch that now or ever. Bad Good uh, is a movie that uh, really has its flaws, but still manages to come off the screen at you. You enjoy the actual. You enjoy being in front of the screen for it. Um, what do like we call that? Like executive decision, <laughs> or the thing, or Big Trouble in Little China, or Tombstone. 
And then we come to bad, bad movie, which, like, it's not good and it's not entertaining. Right. And a classic example of this is Snowpiercer. Try again. I, I can't. That's all I got. <laughs> um, that's White that's the low is of the, the low. No, I hate you so much. White Chicks is the classic example. White Chicks. Or, or recently I was thinking Juana Man. I don't enjoy that movie I've never, at all. I've never seen that. <laughs> It's horrible. It's one of the. It's pretty repulsive. Um, so what brings us here today, man? We are here to. Um, it's the summer. Yeah. You know, well, oh, what I was gonna say was, uh, pick me out a winner chance because we're here to talk about baseball movies. There are a lot of baseball movies. <laughs> when you're choosing a baseball movie, there are a lot to choose from. There are um, so many. And I think we're gonna go. We're gonna go do a quick lightning round of what we think of some, which will be fun. Um, yeah, we're, we, gonna, we're calling we, it the. Uh, wait, can I tell you the classy thing? I the title I thought of this for this this section, this segment. Please. Oh, honorable mentions, fair or foul. Well done. Yeah. Um, thank you. What were you gonna say? And we're gonna get to we're gonna get to three today. Um, that we that we kind of picked, but then we found out or sort of realized they all sort of fell around the sub theme of like really like who gets to play baseball, like underdog stories in the sense of like outsiders or marginalized people um, having success in America's like least marginalized for- sport for a century. Right. Um, I also feel like it falls, and that's my opening quote was not completely, uh, you know unaffiliated with the genre i also feel like the pick me on a winner theme is also pretty prevalent it's like somebody finds somebody else to to do something important in sports absolutely i think that's right on Mm -hmm. uh before we do the lightning round um we're obligated noah to read a message from our sponsor do you mind if i do that now our second sponsor my god and we really want to thank this sponsor because they have made this podcast possible. Today's episode of Be Real Guys is brought to you by Drunk Watching Angels in the Outfield. Do you remember the days of sober watching Angels in the Outfield? Well, no more. You'll want to be five to six deep to take in this movie about an orphan who brings up his dead mom literally five seconds in. This mid-90s children's hit marries all the fun of Bad News Bears with all the uncomfortable pseudo-spirituality of Meet Joe Black. It features a dynamite cast of Hollywood stars before they were stars, like Matthew McConaughey and Adrian Brody, and and Neil McDonough is an actor. And Danny Glover's stirring performance as the manager of the beleaguered Anaheim Angels will have you reaching into your liquor cabinet saying, Hey Danny, I'm the one who's getting too old for this shit. With the unassailable legacy of a movie that's available from start to finish on YouTube, Angels in the Outfield begs the big questions in life, like, Would 10-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt be proud of Don John? And the gin in your mouth begs questions like, Am I Don John? Drunk watching Angels in the Outfield. Because when Tony Danza straight up dies in a movie that's supposed to be for kids, you'll need to cope somehow. So Chance, we're going to have the lightning round honorable mention, fair or foul. Okay. You will Do have, you have a list you're working off? I have a list I'm working off, and I will give you approximately 
Wait, where's my watch? Five seconds to make a compelling, if you've seen the movie, to make a compelling pitch if it's fair or foul for the following films. Are you ready for this? Yes. The Rookie. Go. You think it's foul, but it's fair because Dennis Quaid gives the best physicality performance in a baseball movie. And I think that... I think this movie is pretty decent, if not a little sappy, but ultimately good, good, or bad, bad good. Okay. So, fair. Um, have you seen the movie 61, Chance? No, I've never heard of it, hey, actually. Have you seen Sandlot? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if I'm prepared to evaluate that one. I will say, Sandlot, I'm, you know, go. Fair, fair based on reputation and childhood whimsy. I agree with you. All right. Major League. I haven't seen it. I think it's kind of bad. I'm going to give it foul. Okay. Um, Moneyball. Fair, but not the home run that people say. A lot of, how many scenes of Brad Pitt driving in the dark does one movie need? Or working out and listening to the game on the radio. I, I agree with right. you. But I think it's mm-hmm. ultimately fair. Mm-hmm. Field of Dreams. Fair. Fair. I don't know. You don't, not... you don't sound convinced. You don't think it's like one of like the greatest movies ever made? <laughs> I'm, not sh- I'm not quite sure. I don't... I get so tired so quickly of Kevin Costner being so sad. For no we reason. have to go to Memphis to find Moonlight Graham, dude. This yep. movie is fair. This movie is so fair, it's dead center field. All right, fair. Uh, Bad News Bears, not the Billy Bob Thornton remake. The original. Yeah, with Malter Matthau. Uh, fair, but probably like horribly offensive if you watched it today. Yeah, you're right there. Um, did you see the 42, the Jackie Robinson biopic? No, I heard it was horrible. Yeah, it was definitely foul. Like, super foul. Like, Steve the Pirate saying the N-word for, like, a full 10-minute scene is, like, unbearable. Bull Durham? Uh, fair. Because Kevin Costner actually has some fun in a movie for once. Uh, what about For the Love of the Game? Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't put that down here. For Love of the Game, I, I, game uh, if you can take how cheesy and sentimental it is, I think it's great. It's fair. Ooh, Fever Pitch. I haven't seen that, but I don't really like the Red Sox, so that's enough. It's the fairest affair. Um, what about Bernie Mac is Mr. 3000? I have actually seen. I actually own a copy of Mr. 3000 on DVD. You own um, a copy of that? Oh, yeah. Someone gave it to me as like an ironic birthday gift one year, and I've seen it. And uh, it's bad. It's pretty it's foul. foul. It's, it's <laughs> totally foul. You <laughs> just um, popped what... it straight behind home plate. Yeah. Uh, last one I have for you, Hardball. Ooh. You mean Mighty Ducks Baseball with, you know. With Keanu instead City of kids. Yeah. I mean, instead of, like, uh, rural poverty, it was, like, urban poverty. Yep. I'm going to have to say fair. <laughs> I'm going to say foul. <laughs> but Can you even remember the movie? Hardball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're just saying that to be a contrarian. I wouldn't disagree with you on that part. I wouldn't contradict that assessment. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. So where do you want to start today's like, main events? 
Well, if you can guess, based on the notable baseball movies we might have left out of uh, left out of that list, the three movies we watched today are The Natural, A League of Their Own, and Million Dollar Arm. What year, Chance? Last year? Last year. Um, it was a Walt Disney picture starring John Hamm. It was directed by Craig Gillespie of uh mr woodcock fame <laughs> that movie with oh Billy my Bob god Thor. i noticed that <laughs> i imdb'd um, it while we were wa- while i was watching and uh, oh yeah i mean yeah. i had to do that too i didn't come mr. up with the director woodcock. of mr woodcock without looking it up and a series of like paul giamatti like indie movies hey how fast do they pitch in cricket i think i cracked this it's called Million Dollar Arm. We find the first Major League Baseball player from India. Like being on the road? Do you want a synopsis or should I? Oh, I'm on it. Um, Do it. Let's see. Uh, a prequel to Mad Men, uh, Million Dollar <laughs> Arm, follows uh, John Hamm as he... A, like a sports agent who has gone out on his own but hasn't done anything for two years, like yep. anything major in his career, is struggling to pull together capital like to keep his business afloat. And somehow by watching, um, what's her name? Uh, Lake Bell. No, 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 no. The Susan Boyle on the TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> John Hamm comes up with this idea that he can take cricket players and make them into professional baseball players. And that's like an untapped market for talent in the major leagues. And it would also incorporate like a huge fan base that otherwise was disinterested in the game. So, which leads him on a quest to India where all white people go and they have problems. Um, And he finds these two charming young men who never thought that they would live outside like a caste system at the very bottom Right. And come to the U.S. and play baseball, if even for a few hours, and the yeah, the the fun ensues. I what I think is so interesting, and you maybe if you haven't seen the movie, um, I think my summary did judgment to the fact that it doesn't really have that much of like a Disney movie like story to it, like. And I guess they, like that was my main issue with it that I was so baffled, like why it started with you know, the Disney castle at the beginning, because it's like a pretty dark movie at its core. Do you disagree? Um, I don't think it's particularly dark. I think it's, I, the thing I take I away from it, or go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead. Well, I don't know, well, I'll, I'll try to convince you otherwise, but I All just right, felt like the fact that it just, like, he basically uses them as, like, human slaves for, like, 95% of this movie. No. And then he grows a heart at the end and, like, gives them, like, a real shot. He doesn't use them as human slaves. He kind of does. He kind of, like, takes advantage of these young guys, doesn't care about them through most of the movie. Then there's a montage about a buck 25 in <laughs> where they're, like, having a picnic. And then, like, suddenly, like, he gives a shit about them. But then he goes and, like, gives them that their trial at the end way ahead of, like, when they could possibly do it. Is, like, pissed. Like, why did they ruin his career? 
And then at the right. end, he's like, well, what I'm going to give you and not be such a, like, money-grubbing asshole is, like, another shot to ultimately fail, basically. Okay, Vivek, I need things to run on time and smoothly. But actually run on time and smoothly, not Indian on time and smoothly. You know, here in India, we do things a little differently than in U.S. Like, again, with the whole, like, white people go to India, like, that's basically the, sure. th the thesis of the movie is that, like, if you're tired of, like, a normal American baseball, like, just solve it with, like, exoticism. And it's like, okay. The thing I didn't, the thing I liked about it the least was just how, or I guess what jumped out to me about its Disney-ness was how, for a bad pitching joke, just how, like, right down the middle it was and, like, how no, like, John Hamm, like, really didn't have to commit to being an asshole for a movie that was, like, basically all riding on him being that way. It was... Right. You know, it's... It was just kind of... It was. It's a little bit of, like, a toothless movie. When he's yelling at... Yelling at the the kids for costing him his client, he yells, No more TV! Dot, dot, dot. Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Um, yeah. Well, that was the funny thing, too, because I feel like the script was definitely written at, like, I don't know, maybe PG-13 level. But then when yeah. Disney signed on, they're like, take out all the shits, take out everything. And, like... Yeah. Because there was, like, a one... There was one scene where, like, John Hamm's, like, chicken crap or something, and I was like, listen, Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and the chief signifier of, like, what's supposed to be his sort of selfish, freewheeling lifestyle is that he, like, dates and sleeps with, like, one model. And right. they never really talk about it. And it's just like, well, him, yeah, like, like, him like dating he, a model is, like, not that bad. I've, right. It's his, like, asshole-ish assholishness in the first act is having a monogamous relationship with a woman who like we don't see very often <laughs> exactly and when it's when he's supposed to be like having that selfish outpouring of what his life was supposed to be he what does he say he's just like i have a single person's life and i really like that and it's like okay man that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that like this right. movie is like this movie's really struggling with it or thinks maybe that, that it just has makes it, maybe that makes it authentic that you know yeah. there's no there's no good guys and bad guys and people don't need to learn something huge at the end but I don't know it doesn't give John Hamm much to do um, well that's my other issue with the movie is that it's ultimately well I don't think this movie knows who its protagonist is that's definitely true because like the first act is John Hamm like getting this you know this league organized or whatever this like competition organized to find these players and we were hanging out with him in India for a while and then we come back to the US and he's like okay guys take care you guys finish this movie i'm going to go do season 7 part 2 of mad men and then like he shows back up like you know after a good what 45 minutes just pretty much focus on these guys no you don't I think mean, so? I think you're exaggerating, but I know what you mean. I mean, the point was supposed to be that, like, you know, he was with them all the way and then kind of, like, abandoned them for other right. pursuits when he got back in the country. Um, but, like, the fact that we saw him abandoning them from their perspective, like, it yeah. weirdly cut him out of the movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I really li I liked 
Lake Bell's performance. I thought she was really sharp. Um, yeah, and she wasn't like super like cutesy, you know, tenant person. She was like pretty human. Yeah, and like all the and the movie had a little fun with that too. Like all the different times where like John Hamm was gonna like try to treat her as the girl next door. It was just like, no, I'm uh, sleeping with this like really hot guy. Like, what the hell is your like? What were you thinking was gonna happen? Because I'm like a human being living over here, having my own story. Um, yeah, she was good. Right. I I liked her in this movie. Well, that's um, why I think that like the movie was interesting for Disney because I feel like a lot of these characters like have very like human like non archetypal you know things about them that's true like she's just like a poor med student living in like some dude's backyard yeah which is interesting i I think all the actors cared about this movie and thought it was a kind of a like a nice little movie but it's that's dissonant with the fact that it wasn't marketed as a nice little movie it was marketed as like I remember the Titans level thing. Oh, and the, the the score definitely like reminds you that it's that kind of movie too. Wow. This whole alternative family thing looks good on you. Tough to say like what this movie was trying to teach us. And I guess that brings me to my overarching question about the... Uh, the series, the the genre we're working with. Okay. What do these movies teach us about our national pastime? Well, what I was thinking, because I thought about that question some, was that because baseball was so central and, like, you know, like, really looked at in a reverent way for so long that it, it's an ideal canvas for an underdog story. Um, right. But it's interesting to see in these three movies about what happens when the underdog gets into the story and whether they sort of um, subvert the like ethos of that national pastime or whether they get their own version of it, which is what happens in a league of their own, I would say. Um, right. Or never, or whether they never really get there, which is kind of what happens in this movie. They don't ever right. play baseball in this movie. Well, I mean, but that's the interesting thing about the movie too, about um, uh, Million Dollar Arm, is that really the like what they're aiming for is not having these guys be baseball legends. The only thing he has to accomplish is to sign a professional, like get a professional contract. Yeah. So, I mean, the, in the narrative of the film, like, they do accomplish their goal, I would say. That's true. That's true. So. I think, yeah, it's interesting, because you brought that up earlier, right? Like, when you said that, you know, not that much happens, and the stakes aren't particularly exciting. I feel like that's sometimes a catch-22 for movies, you know? Um, do you want to embellish a true story and have them, you know, strike out the side in the ninth of the World Series, or do you just kind of want to present what happened and risk right. the feeling that, like, and risk the feeling that nothing significant happened? Should we so, should we read it? You go first, Chance. I think ultimately, for me, uh, I would say bad good. I think that 
Um, you know, it was clunky and there were obvious rewrites at times. And when the Papa John's pizza guy shows up at the door and they stare at him, like it was very obvious that was like an advertisement for Papa John's and he had to be on screen for five minutes. So the non-English speakers or five seconds. So the non-English speakers could leer at him. I don't think it was a very well made movie. Um, but I found it, you know, pleasant. I'm going to, I'll give it bad good, but I think like the needle like hit bad, bad for a second. Sure. I hear you. There's just, there's just a lot in this movie and I hold baseball and baseball movies like in pretty high regard. So you have to do a lot to please me, but, um, yeah, I guess it's bad. Good. Are you crying? Are you crying? (laughs) There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. All right, next up we'll do League of Their Own. The 1992 Penny Marshall movie. The beloved... Penny Marshall. God. Beloved movie. It is a beloved movie. It's so, like, appropriate for kids, but also, like, if you're an older person, you get more out of it. (laughs) If you're an older person, you might enjoy watching a horribly unnecessary prologue and epilogue. It features people who look like you. Um... But aren't actually you. I thought that was Gina Davis in, like, makeup, and I found out on IMDb today that it's just, like, it's some not. other woman with her voice dubbed over. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty disturbing. So the basic synopsis of this movie, if you don't know it, which is weird because you probably know it, but... You definitely watch it on a bus on a field trip, like, two or three times. Yeah. Basically... While the premier baseball players of the 40s are overseas um, fighting World War II. Fighting Adolf and the Nazis. Exactly. Uh, A lot, uh, a bunch of, everyone from unheralded prospects who live in Fort Collins to fairly successful local softball players uh, join a women's professional baseball league. Based because all the men Chicago. were away at war. Right. Based out of Chicago. Um, we essentially follow uh, Gina Davis, Dottie, uh, and her sister Kit, who are from Willamette, Oregon. Uh, John Lovitz is a scout who uh, comes to see him play. Um, and I guess I should say we. it also sets up um, what's like the fundamental conflict of the movie is that uh, Gina like overshadows uh, kit throughout uh, throughout the entire movie, which basically sets up a, a sisterly a sisterly rivalry. But they come to Chicago and they are on a team of a team of misfits uh, with uh, cast members including Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Biddy Schram. Um, it's really a who's who of like late '80s American pop culture. It's true, and uh, and Tom Hanks is their washed up uh, former player slash drunken manager who who goes from completely disinterested and pretty sexist to sort of interested and still kind of sexist right so the movie begins as like this interesting historical origin story for this now defunct baseball league and then sort of midway through changes into a story of these two sisters and they're like their their rivalry and their like competing love of baseball Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager. Yeah, where do you wanna where do you wanna crack this nut? 
I guess I'll crack it with, we talked about it with the fly, but I'll just crack it with further adoration of Gina Davis. I think that the the Misfits cast of people who are having fun all around her is fine. Um, and, and it's fun. It's fun. Um, but I don't think it works if Gina Davis, again, is not just like the heart of this movie. Right. Um, and she really the heart- is. Yeah, and she's so good, and it just makes me, you know, sad that she hasn't done anything. If in, anyone can in convince years. me, if anyone can convince me, authentically, that they like are in love with someone like Bill Pullman, like you deserve an Oscar. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, God, I think she's he's, great. He's such like a cardboard box in this movie. You do you remember the the first thing he says to her after like, years away, almost dying? I can't remember. He says, he comes into the room and says, hey, you cutie. And it's oh my pretty God. bad. Yeah, he's, he's a and piece he also, of shit. And he limps because he's been injured in the war. He limps like he's never seen anyone limp before. Also, I'll say this too if you want to bounce off this. This is really fun because Tom Hanks is like, a loser and like really upbeat and like kind of an ass for most of this movie which actually like sort of was Tom Hanks's like comedic reputation through the 80s and the early 90s we just haven't seen it um in 25 years and so you know it was really like fun to watch that like if you go back and watch like, I don't know, uh, Dragnet or Turner and Hooch. Like, I'm not talking about very good movies. Right. But before he got Oscar fever, um, I I just think he really hopped off the screen in this movie, and it made me kind of miss... It made me kind of miss young Tom Hanks. Because this, this is sort of the end of that. Right. Yeah, he's pretty great in this. Uh, and he's just like... Yeah. Well, that's what I think is interesting, too, is because in all these movies, you have a character like that who you, like, pretty much hate through the whole beginning and then kind of like at the end. And in Million Dollar Arm, it was John Hamm. And in this one, it's Tom Hanks. Well, that's what I think is so interesting about this movie, if we're going to talk about, like, the historical context, is the fact that this movie is, like, basically a true story, but every, like, proper noun is changed. You know? Really? Like, they were playing at Wrigley Field, not Harvey Fields, and, like, right, all these guys' true. names were changed, and, like, all the baseball history was changed, but, like, this is a... a like basically a true story and you know it follows a woman called Dottie her last name was changed but like that's what I found so weird about the movie is like why did it have to be so like changed like it's a true story do you think that that it's interesting you say that but it's also a movie around which I think none of the annoying was the movie true to the history debate happens so right. I wonder I wonder if by changing the stuff they actually sort of like rid themselves of that narrative. Cuz I would never I, I never thought I never thought about that if I ha- wouldn't have googled it. Since our theme is kind of like who can play baseball and outsiders kind of subverting this American classic pastime. Uh right. I really liked the sort of like litany of different um 
Well, like sexism and like weird wrinkles of sexism that they faced between like the charm school and the dresses and right. the rules and the people who said that the woman who gives the radio spot who said this is an example of quote sexual confusion. Uh, I thought it did a really good job of like like it you know it didn't didn't put all its eggs in one basket like throughout right. it kind of like slipped in like how incredibly non-traditional this was at the time and all the different sort of sides of that um right but all the like the sort of forces of bigotry they receive they're all pretty like charming like nothing too offensive happens in the movie and i really like i'm going a different direction here um go for it on rewatch i hadn't seen it in several years but it definitely has the beats of a comedy, not a drama, which I think, right. I mean, I, I mean, I think, you know, but like until you actually sit down and, and watch the movie, like all the rhythms of the movie are actually based on, uh, montages and punchlines. Like if you want to talk about structuralism in baseball movies, um, both this and the natural, and then a ton of those other movies we talked about in fair or foul, all kind of make their own arc around the dregs and the arc of the baseball season because right. like you can fuck around and you can go through a slump in a 162 game season um right you could lose but yeah, i mean you could hypothetically you could lose 60 games in a row and still have a decent season yeah i like this movie because it's got that weird sort of it's almost like a movie and I'll make some other references to this so you can sort of get my point. But I feel like this movie is almost like it exists in these sort of short stories. It's almost like a collection of short stories of a movie. Mm-hmm. And go with me a little bit on this. But movies like Animal House, they don't really have like, yeah, they have like a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it's just like these weird little vignettes. And I feel like that movie is sort of, I mean, a League of Their Own is sort of like in these vignettes. And then, yes, the ending is exciting, but it doesn't really like, it. there is no like, it's not building too much, you know, but it no. still manages to be entertaining, like on a whole. But I just think because the action is so self-contained to, oh, here's a kid's sister and her her older sister. Um, like, will they leave the farm in Portland and like, or in Willamette? And like, that's one story. And then like the tryouts of their own thing. And then like, here's girls on the road and you know shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually. I think you're spot on, and that's a great way of connecting the sort of structuralism of the baseball movie with how the the whole thing itself is is ordered. Yeah, because that's what it's like when when Lovitz like comes into this movie and he's just like he's the most interesting thing in the movie for like fifteen minutes and they're just like, What, you're leaving? And it's almost like the audience being like, What, you're leaving? And he's just like, Yeah, how do you think this worked? And yeah, he's gone. It's over. Right. That's like that's the end of that vignette. And they don't see him again until they see like his bust at the uh, at Cooperstown. Yeah, and then and then oh, there is like the the montage in the middle of this movie that's just like them having fun playing baseball and Madonna and Rosie like shit talking is like yeah. fifteen minutes long. There, you go like fifteen minutes in this movie without a scene happening. Right. Um, well, they have to get through a hundred and sixty odd games. Right. Yeah, I will say that all three of these movies did a good job of well actually maybe i can bring this up now i think it might fit better with the natural but um between league of of their own and the natural it's fun to see probably but i'll connect roy hobbs with Dottie. 
it's it's pleasant in some ways to see an athlete of a different era when being an athlete basically only meant that you were like born terrific and you could just kind of you know trot out in in baggy clothes and like do whatever you wanted the rest of the time but but it wasn't like such a glamorous job though that's true that's true as it is today and that's (coughs) excuse me well i think all three movies sort of interestingly show like the side of professional sports that wasn't so that's not so glamorized and and i think I mean, I think those two things that we're talking about are connected, too. Like, the idea that, like, an athlete was just, like, a person with a gift. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a commodity to be protected with uh, right. hyperbolic chambers and, like, mansions and, um, you know, a lot of different a lot of different things. It was just, like, it was just a person who was, like, pretty spectacular and they wore the same clothes and as you. And that was what they, they did for a living. They played yeah, they baseball. got dirt on the clothes. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Should we rate it? I would say this movie is good, good. I would too. Yeah. It has its flaws, but what piece of uh, film history does it? So, The Natural? Barry Levinson's oh. 1984, The Natural? Love. Love this movie. <laughs> I know. I know you do. Love this movie. So, I'm telling you right now, Chance, you better be. You better be thoughtful if you were to say anything critical of this film okay i'll try and bear that in mind someday when people look at me they'll say there goes roy hobbs the best there ever was tristar pictures presents robert redford in the natural uh the story of the natural is about roy hobbs you know your pretty average farm boy from the the american ideal of the midwest and his father teaches him how to play baseball, and his father, you see pretty quickly that his father dies. And because of, I think, his father dying at an early age, he thought that, like, you know what, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And just goes all at it, and then has this girlfriend who's there, and she's like, go chase your Major League Baseball dreams. And he goes, and he gets on a train, he goes to a tryout. And he strikes out. I mean, they, the train pulls over or something. And you see that he's a really good player because he strikes out the equivalent of Babe Ruth. The whammer. And the whammer. Throw it in there, Greenhorn. Um, and he strikes this guy out, and everyone thinks he's great. And he gets to Chicago where the, um, the tryout is. And right as he gets into the hotel, this woman like flirts with him and lures him to the room and she shoots him because she's like this crazy person who has to kill people who are like the best at what they do. And she sees that he strikes out Babe Ruth. So he's the best. So she shoots him and then like kills herself and like jumps out of the hotel or whatever. And then that's like the prologue. And then the movie begins. Yep. And then it's basically his attempt to become a professional baseball player, like after overcoming this horrible injury. Do you want to? Do you want to go first? Yeah, why not? You're just gonna rip into it. I I'm not gonna take any joy in it, buddy. I just I'm just trying to. I just want to tell you that that I found there to be some pretty fatal flaws. Like what? All right, I guess I'll start. No, this movie could not decide in the slightest 
whether it wanted to be a Homeric epic or a sort of like movie with moments of small nihilism. And that, that fundamental epic. Uh huh. And that fundamental conflict leads to a movie that's like kind of a mess, like all over the place, in my opinion. My main problem is that the woman who ends the early stage of his career by shooting him because she lures him to the hotel room, that's, that doesn't belong in an epic. Everything about this movie is preordained except for these weird things, and because that's not a genuine mistake on his part, and thus, like, Redford doesn't have anything to play. Like, it's, like, he hints a couple times that, like... I made a mistake. Like, I never should have gone to a hotel, this hotel room. No, dude, no, no, no. You are missing the brilliance of this movie, and I'm about to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Okay. I think the argument all three of these movies are making and this genre is making that if you want to, and it's like the whole idea, if you want to be an American hero, you have to be, one, white, to male or be chased and that's his like fatal flaw is that he goes up to that up to that woman's hotel room to have sex with her and he feels guilty about it and then it looked like a sex scandal like when they bring up that article later and so then when he falls for the second woman in his second attempt to become a professional player his career also tanks he's being punished for the times that he has like you know these sexual urges do you understand what I'm saying? And Glenn Close represents purity. She's the woman in white. Are you not right. getting this? I mean, I get, I get the symbolism of it, but like, it doesn't work it, on it, the ground of the movie. Oh, it absolutely does. No, because like the sort of person who like wanders around and shoots athletes and then kills herself is not like something that belongs in like a fairly standard American folktale. Like that's really weird and dark and it doesn't change the fact that Redford still doesn't have anything to play except that he's the natural because like that's not a mistake that factors into the majority of his performance. Like he was going to be the greatest player that ever lived and now he's just okay. And that's more than maybe I'm mis- maybe I'm thinking of the book because I well do you, have you read the book? No, I haven't read the Malmood novel. The book is, like, completely different from the movie. And, like, in some good ways and in some bad ways. I personally think the movie's pretty good. The book's great. But in the book, it's like he doesn't, he doesn't do the ending of this movie. The, book is, I, the book's about failure. Yeah, he fails. Well, the in the book, he takes the money and strikes out. Yep. Which would have been a lot more compelling, in my opinion. Um... No, I like that he did it. The book, the point is, like, he's just some schmuck and you do the same thing yourself. The movie, the point is, this guy, like, could have been great, and here's the proof. That's just more compelling in a film way. Like, you couldn't get into his head in that, I don't think, in a movie. But the... the, See, like, when this father's talking to him at the movie, I wrote this down because they, like, practically printed it on a banner on the title card, but his dad's like, you know, rely too much on your own gift and you'll fail. Like, you need to develop yourself. Which, to me, is like, 
means like if you're just a Herculean person relying on your own talent, like you won't get there. Like you need to develop yourself. But he never does. He's just missing for 15 years. Doesn't explain it again. Like it was a Finding Forrester esque moment where he like whispers what he's been doing. Like life stepped in, you know. Like just imagine what happened. He was probably in the hospital for a couple months. I mean, he probably had like a pretty monk like existence for a while while he was becoming this like, you know, incredible player and I mean uh, convalescing for his injury from his injuries. You know, I think that's all fine, man. But the movie. Refuses to deal with that and instead plays uh, like a very twentieth point of the movie. That's not when the movie's set. The movie's set after this guy. That's his final advice from his father. That he, in a Homeric way, (laughs) makes the tree into a bat that he uses throughout the whole thing. Like that is his final takeaway from his dad, which is the inciting moment of like a quest type movie. So it means a lot, and he doesn't develop himself. He's just a guy who continues to get by on natural talent. Right, but only when he embraces his simple needs. You know, a wife and a kid living back in the Midwest, he gets what he wants. I'm telling you, that's the point of the movie, is... That yes, you cannot rely on your natural talents. You also have to be completely like chased. So how does his accidental baby um, factor in good with him being chased? Oh, that's part of it too. That's like just him being a reckless. <laughs> that's it's part of it. I know that's <clears throat> part of it, but it doesn't make any sense. This is a movie that is really struggling thematically. Like it's really struggling. What do you you want? Just some like you know some simple bedtime story. These are complex people, chats. No, I'm saying that if you're going to make a movie that is heavy, heavy on the violins and the sap and the Odysseus, like having his finest moment, like you should do that and not bog yourself down in like a lot of. And what was that thing with all the like the. All the boys he's inspired, I imagine like that was something heavier in the novel, but in the movie, it was like mad weird. Some like one time someone was like, Think of the boys you've inspired, and there's like a lot of cut shots of boys when he's like doing his thing. Like that was pretty odd. I don't know, man. Like he's just a chased he's just a a chased male celebrity figure and American hero. But what you're saying is really like like it it sounds to me and again like I haven't I haven't read the novel it sounds like I think you know, both ha- the movie and the novel are making like pretty serious statements about like male american like herohood but I think the movie's doing it in a way that makes more sense visually <clears throat> and then the book is doing it in a sense that in a way that makes more sense like in that medium of reading it Go pick me out a winner, Bobby. Okay. Like, this is this guy makes realizes the sacrifices he's going to need to make in order to access the most of his talent and do this incredible thing and be remembered is to just, like, push aside, like, every sort of 
urge he feels, settle down with the woman he impregnated like 16 years earlier. <laughs> oh my God. Not worry about making any money or listen to yourself you know, being with this blonde model, but just like leading this simple American life because that's what we want from our heroes. And I think that's the argument the movie is making. We can agree to disagree, but like, I think this movie's like pretty great and like also pretty well regarded. I know it's well regarded, but there are there are definitely a handful of critics who do not regard it well. I know it's well regarded. Right. But because you know that this movie means something to me, you're like, oh, let me like say that it doesn't make sense and then like not be able to take Noah's Dude, arguments. So come on, not at all. That's not that's not it, man. Like Never I knew bring it, up Snowpiercer. You brought up Snowpiercer an hour ago. <laughs> um you, can, okay, yeah. hold on. Can, can we? Can I break it up with a little comedy for you? Yeah. Should let's just agree that instead of having forty-eight-year-old like deteriorating Redford play a nineteen-year-old, don't you think that if ever we feel a need where we have to force someone into a role in Hollywood that they're too old to play, that it should just be Guy Pierce in makeup for that age? There it is. Okay. Good. Okay, That's what so I was give thinking. Me, give me what you think it is. Ugh. I don't want to hurt you. I think it's. Are you? Do you think it's? Do you honestly think it's bad? Bad. I don't want to hurt you. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. But like, you didn't find though, it entertaining either. I found it to be really long. <laughs> oh my god! And I found it to give Glenn Close nothing to do. And because of, I, I real, I'm being perfectly serious when I say that, like, I think literally you can, I, I see, of course, see what you're saying. I want to give you credit on the point where, like, it's saying an American hero needs to be chased. But it doesn't let Redford play the fact that he had, like, a huge, like, fatal, like, falling moment. Like, he doesn't get to play that throughout the movies, like... Just a dude, and like it, and it's ugh. And I just found the ending to be really sappy, and I don't know, man. I didn't hate it, but like, it was kind of bad, bad. Oh my god! I know. You think it's bad, bad? I think it might be kind of a bad, bad movie. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I of course think it's good, good. I know you do. What's I want? I want to give you. I want to give you a minute. What's instead of arguing with me? I don't think you got to say what you actually love about it. I just. I don't know. There's something nice about it. It's. It's just like this weirdly dark, like classic movie. I mean, I would put it in the same genre as like Chinatown, like a deeply flawed movie, but sort of interesting and like, kind of dark, and it ends in happily enough and. I don't know. I like watching it with the windows open and like the May June time, like smell like the outdoor smells and like think about like Little League and stuff. And it's just like a thing for me, Chance. I love this movie. I feel like it. You can watch it in the springtime. Like watch it now, and I don't know. You can just have like a nice summer evening, digesting this somewhat dark, somewhat literary sports movie that ultimately ends just the way you want it to 
And so if you like movies that have a good atmosphere and like if you like baseball like I do, I don't know. Chance, can you just say that it's bad good? Please. That's that's where I'm at. That's I'm right on the I'm right on the borderline there, man. Um just say it's I think bad it d- good. Just 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 give it to me. <laughs> would it would it make you happy? Yes, it would make me so happy. Alright. Alright, I think it was pretty bad good. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Thanks, I didn't man. hate it. I just didn't enjoy watching it because because its flaws ruined the whole thing for me. Listen, you compromised. That's what I love about you. All right, I gave you the old Stargate treatment on the natural then. Don't say I never did anything for you. I, I would never throw that back in your face. All right. Well, we've come to the end of the line here. I just feel like two, and I know you may disagree with me about the natural, but I feel like this, all three of these movies the characters find success when they love something else and or the game more than themselves. Ooh, that's a good read. That's really true. Because, like, John Hamm finally gives in to, you know what, I'm doing it for these guys, for the humanity of it. And then, like, Gina Davis, Gina Davis finds comfort in, like, this is the final gift she can give to her sister. It's just, like, something to hang her hat on. And then in The Natural, it's just like, you know what? I don't care about the money. I don't care about next season. I care about these guys. And I'm just going to, I don't care about my own physical health. I just have to do, I just have to hit the ball and do what I'm born to do. So. Well, buddy. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks. Um, This was fun. I think, unless I'm wrong, which, you know. I'm not, and I'm quoting Tony Shalhoub's Adrian Monk when I say that. Jurassic Park or Jurassic World comes out uh, on Friday, so I think that ought to be our next one. We're gonna do our. <laughs> it's gonna be our third Goldblum movie. Um, by the time oh, we're this doing, is done. we're doing all Jurassic Park movies next week. If that wasn't clear. Yeah, we're doing two, or, three, and four. All Jurassic Park sequels, all and right. it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. I agree. I agree. All right, buddy. Well, fun to talk to you. I'm As glad always. the Yankees are doing well for your sake, but not objectively. And yeah. uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, and guys, please follow us on Twitter. We're at BeRealGuys. Uh, real spelled like a film reel with two e's, and then sent us questions, comments, and concerns to berealguys at gmail.com. Have a great night. <laughs>